Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Sylvia Epp, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, March 21st, 2018, and this is the 10 a.m. Eastern Daylight uh, Time meeting. Today we are reading in the big book on page 41 on the second paragraph, which starts with, as soon as I regains my ability to think, and we're going to read for two paragraphs. Ending with, uh, I could do the job myself. Today's readers are Athena B. on the 12 Steps, P.S. on the 12 Traditions, and the readers of the text are Kathleen O., Penny L.C., and Julie E.B., and the newcomer greeter uh, after the recorded uh, meeting uh, is Melanie C., The share ID for Tuesday, March 20th, 10 a.m. meeting, Eastern Time, is 11,189, 11,189. And the share ID for this morning's meeting, Wednesday, 7 a.m. on March 21st, meeting is 11,192, 11,192. The OA preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group that has has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Athena B. to read the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. Good morning, everyone. Athena B., Recovering Compulsive Overeater. And these are the 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, 
Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service. Thank you, Athena B. I will now ask Pia S. to read the 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Good morning, Sylvia. Thank you. Thank you for your service. This is Pia S. in South Florida, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. And here are always 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Less problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion, and we need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personality. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to do service, and I'll pass. Thank you, Pia S. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We're sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass and then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book, and we are on page 41, second paragraph, which starts with, as soon as I regained my ability to think. And we're going to read two paragraphs, ending with, that I could do the job myself. And would Kathleen O. please begin our reading? Kathleen. Good morning. Thank you, Sylvia. As soon as I regained my ability to think, I went carefully over the evening in Washington. Not only had I been off guard, I had made no fight whatever against the first drink. 
This time, I had not thought of the consequences at all. I had commenced to drink as carelessly as though the cocktails were ginger ale. I now remembered what my alcoholic friends had told me, how they prophesied that I had an alcoholic mind. The time and place would come. I would drink again. They had said that though I did raise a defense, it would one day give way before some trivial reason for having a drink. Well, just that did happen and more, for what I had learned of alcoholism did not occur to me at all. I knew from that moment that I had an alcoholic mind. I saw that willpower and self-knowledge would not help me in those strange mental blank spots. I had never been able to understand people who said that a problem had them hopelessly defeated. I knew then it was a crushing blow. Two of the members of Alcoholics Anonymous came to see me. They grinned, which I didn't like so much, and then asked me if I thought myself alcoholic and if I were really licked this time. I had to concede both propositions. They piled on me heaps of evidence to the effect that an alcoholic mentality such as I had exhibited in Washington was a hopeless condition. They cited cases out of their experience by the dozen. This process snuffed out the last flicker of conviction that I could do the job myself. And good morning, everyone. It's great to be on the line with all of you. This is Kathleen O, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in California. And I saw that willpower and self-knowledge would not help me in those strange mental blank spots. So what is that strange mental blank spot? Well, it's exactly in this first part that we read. I had made no fight whatever against the first drink. This time, I had not thought of the consequences at all. And, you know, it's the thought that having, for me, it's the thought that having a little extra food is okay, because after all, it's only broccoli, or eating a yellow light food is okay, because I'm at a party, Um, or as in Jim's case, a little whiskey in his milk would be okay, or Fred thinking a couple of cocktails with dinner was okay. You know, that was all, nothing more. Well, nothing more except Jim and Fred ended up in the asylum once again. And for me, I would once again be face down in the food, gaining at a frightening speed. So, you know, because we have the mind of an alcoholic, we're triggered by certain foods. And once abstinent, these strange mental blank spots, they don't occur all the time, but they will surface sometimes. And when they do, they can keep us in our addiction if we're not recovered. You know, this disease is strong and it can be very convincing. You know, Fred was happy and everything was going, and his life was going well, but still he picked up. It's that subtle insanity before the bite. And Fred didn't think, oh, I'll have a couple drinks at dinner and end up in the asylum. I mean, this disease is cunning, baffling, and powerful. And it's exactly why Fred was positive his self-knowledge would fix things. And, you know, which of course fixed things until it didn't. So for people without an alcoholic mind, self-knowledge and willpower works wonders. But for someone like me, self-knowledge and willpower, although they're great in other parts of my life, they're absolutely useless when it comes to picking up my alcoholic foods. I have no defense against the first bite. And why don't I have defense against the first bite? Because my problem centers in my mind. My own mind and my own will will always work against me. You know, people with a peanut allergy don't keep eating peanuts. So why does a compulsive overeater who has an allergy to certain foods keep eating those certain foods? 
It's because the problem centers in our mind. We have an allergy of the body and an obsession of the mind. And we're being told by the examples of Jim, the jaywalker, Fred, that we're wired differently. Our mind's going to forget. We have that built-in forgetter. So, you know, um, I had to smash the idea that somehow, someday, I would control and enjoy my eating um, because that is the great obsession of every ab- abnormal eating. I didn't want to pursue this obsession to the gates of insanity or death. And so what gets me past these strange mental blank spots that crop up when I'm ignoring resentments, fears, or not facing my feelings? My defense had to come from a higher power. So staying spiritually fit, working the steps, daily reminding myself I'm powerless, and living in 10, 11, and 12 will combat these strange mental blank spots a day at a time. And thank you. With that, I pass. Thank you, Kathleen. Oh. Okay, we're on page 41, second paragraph. As soon as I regain my ability to think for two paragraphs, and who would like to share? Jessie? Melissa C. Uh, Elaine. Wendy M. (laughs) Elaine B. Okay, so I miss miss the first couple, which was a pile on. So I have Melissa C., Elaine B., Wendy M., but I missed the first two. Gen Z. Gen Z. Yes. Kathy K. Kathy K. Hey, did I miss anyone else? Penny L. C. Penny L. C. Jordan L. And Kathy. Okay, Jordan L. And then Kathy. Kathy G. Thank you. Kathy G. Okay, that's a great lineup. We'll go with that. So I have Jen Z, Kathy K, Melissa C, Elaine, Elaine B, Wendy M, Penny L C, Jordan L, and Kathy G. If I got any initial wrong, just uh, correct it when, when we start. Go ahead, Jen Z, followed by Kathy K. Hello. Thank you for your service. Uh, my name is Jen Z. Uh, I am recovering. I am um, about two weeks into entire abstinence. And um, as as the reader was reading these past uh, these two uh, paragraphs, I started thinking about my journey to recovery, 30-plus years of uh, succumbing to this disease. And, uh, you know, in the beginning, I just ate when I wanted to eat and um, knew there was some – always knew there was something wrong with me. I, don't, I, I couldn't understand why people would leave stuff on their plate, cakes and stuff. And it would and, – and it grew – I grew a resentment toward them. I started really to, 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 to hate them. Um, but really, I was really hating myself. And towards the end of those 30 years, um, I started to try to figure out why I was eating the way I was eating. And I started piecing together – some of my feelings and emotions and as they attribute they were attributed to my food so right around three o'clock four o'clock I would start eating and I started to think what was I feeling and this goes back to um as as soon as I regained my ability to think I went carefully over um that evening and for me it was every afternoon so I went carefully over every afternoon before I ate and I started realizing the the emotions I was feeling was um overwhelmingness I was feeling overwhelmed my husband was coming home from work I had dishes I had laundry you know um, uh, school homeschooling to do and and I would feel overwhelmed and then the belief that my inadequacy was not enough it was this deep deep belief that I was just not enough and I would eat over that so I started piecing that together and for many years I knew why I ate 
because I believed that I was not enough. And even though I had that knowledge, it wasn't enough for me to stop. I had a knowledge that, okay, I'm eating because I believe I'm inadequate, but I still ate. And it wasn't until I became, I came into a vision and OA, but mainly vision, where true recovery, I've only seen true recovery in, in vision, that I got the idea of, uh, of this disease, uh, the, aller- the actual allergy and the mental twist. Um, and, I, and I learned more about, about my disease, but even that was not enough. What I needed to know was the aspect of God and how he plays a role in overcoming it. And that's when I started to really uh, um, have some breakthroughs um, with, now again, I'm only two weeks in, but I can tell you every time I, I, I relapse, I always go deeper. There's always something else to learn about my disease, about myself. And this last relapse, I learned a lot, and I am, a, I am just attacking this book. It's, it's, uh, it's just coming alive for me this time. And I'm grateful for my relapse because I am going so much deeper into my recovery than I had before. Now, believe me, I don't want to have any more relapses because it's, you know, recovery is not guaranteed. But I'm just, I'm just grateful for this book, and I'm grateful for all of you. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Gen Z. Kathy K. followed by Melissa C. And I think I missed Brandy M. off the list. So if you're there, Brandy, I've got you at the end. Kathy K. followed by Melissa C. Thank you, Sylvia, for your service. This is Kathy K. recovered in Boston. It's great to be on the line today. And oh my goodness, how much I relate to this story. And it has taken me years to really accept the profound uh, nature of my spiritual malady. Um, I I spent many years developing self-awareness and um, uh, knew myself quite well. I even worked through the steps and understood my character defects. But the thing which kept me repeating these these um, insane actions and thoughts was the absence of a strong connection with my higher power. It took a lot of practice, but today I notice those insane thoughts like um, just a little extra would be okay or I'll feel better if I eat such and such. When those thoughts come up, somehow I've been able to train myself to immediately pause and go to God and ask for his help. And that's made all the difference in my ability to continue to abstain from compulsive overeating. Um, However, I also want to say that this is something I have to practice on a daily basis, and if I get lackadaisical, those um, those thoughts that will lead me back to the food start piling up again. It, it uh, is apparently my default, my humanness, to think about how food might make me feel better in a particular moment. So it's true that my only defense is a strong connection with a higher power. And until I develop that, 
I acted as if I just drilled it into myself with my sponsors and other people's help that when those thoughts come, I need to uh, move a muscle and take an action so that I can create um, a higher power in my life who can help me continue to stay on my plan. So thank you very much for letting me share. Thank you, Kathy K. Melissa C., followed by Elaine B. Hi, good morning. Are you able to hear me? Yes. Hi, good morning. Thank you. It's Melissa C., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in New York. And, um, you know, so what jumped out at me was that um, he commenced to drink as carelessly as the cocktails were ginger ale. And that... um, made no fight whatsoever against that drink, like being, you know, not only off guard, but um, no thoughts of consequence. And, and so I, I can totally relate to that because, um, you know, I was uh, 20 years ago on my honeymoon and I had sworn off sugar before um, I even met my husband. And so when he met me, um, I had a little bit of knowledge about Overeaters Anonymous. I went to, you know, I went to meetings, but I never really took the steps. I saw that I could not eat sugar. Like I understood what you people were telling me, um, but if I stay on guard, I'd be okay, right? So I went years um, and and didn't eat sugar. And my husband married someone who looked normal. And on my honeymoon, I was happy. There was no. It was not. For any reason, it was truly, I was full of joy. But I took something as carelessly as though it were nothing. You know, and and what did I take? I took a frozen chocolatey drink. I mean, it was a milkshake. You can call it what you want because it had an alcoholic name. I thought, I'm on vacation. This is what people do on vacation on their honeymoons. They drink delicious tropical drinks. Um, I totally had no recollection that um, I'm a compulsive overeater with a serious uh, addiction to a food allergy. And so um, it was crushing because that entire honeymoon from that point on was spent eating. And so all my beautiful clothes that I brought in the beginning of the trip, um, I couldn't fit in by the end. And this like lovely, happy bride um, had like morphed into a monster. And, you know, the the real crushing blow was that when I came home, um, normal people on Monday could get their crap together and put the food down. And for me, this continued, this battle continued on for years and years and years and years. And, um, and so I'm not reliable as the guard. Like, that is very clear here. I cannot be reliable as the guard because the guard is the big danger. I'm the one that's the danger. And, you know, before this, if I only concede that I have the symptoms, that's not enough. I need to concede that I'm really screwed, that my back is against the wall, and I need the the entire treatment plan. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. Elaine B., followed by Wendy M. Thank you so much for your service, Sylvia. This is Elaine B., recovered in Massachusetts. And, boy, you know, I just want to express my gratitude 
What a great reading. Um, these people came, two members came to see me grinning, didn't like that so much. Uh, they piled on heaps of evidence, the effect that of alcoholic mentality, um, such as I had it exhibited, was a hopeless condition. Um, they, this process snuffed out the last flicker of conviction that I could do the job myself. Oh, my gosh, that's exactly what had to happen for me. I had to snuff out the last flicker of conviction that I could do the job myself, that any human aid could help me. I am very grateful for human aid. I am very grateful for for the the wonderful uh, food sponsor, um, the wonderful OA sponsor that went on my honeymoon with me and, and helped me keep track with the food plan so that I didn't have to so that I could show up for that. But I knew that the steps, people who did the steps had something different. I pursued them. I pursued them. I really did try. It took a long time. But what ended up happening was I needed more convincing. And boy, oh boy, did I fall flat on my face. And even though I had spent years in the rooms of OA and even attending 12-step meetings, I did not get it. Were my ears plugged? plugged I don't know but I came to vision for you and that's where you guys piled on me heaps of evidence to the effect that I had an alcoholic mentality that um, you shared your own experiences and that process snuffed out the last flicker of conviction that I could do this job for my, myself and you know what I'm so grateful because even though I had a higher power in my life I was blocked it wasn't sufficient for me to utterly abandon my life the outcomes and especially the food too and when I did I found a higher power that not only wants to help me with my food the great bait and switch coming up in just a few lines quite as important was the discovery that spiritual principles would solve all my problems my higher power as I get to trudge this road of happy destiny with my higher power on one side and and this incredible fellowship following these steps one day at a time Really, there's no problem I can't face, whether it's food, whether it's uh, uh, an outing with food, whether it's <laughs> going to my sister-in-law who's from Italy and puts out the food when you walk in the door and is still putting it out when you leave. Um, you know, I can, hand, I can show up for life today thanks to this program. And I'm so grateful for all of you and for it. And I pass. Thank you, Elaine B. Wendy M. followed by Penny Elsie. Uh, yes, good morning. It's Wendy M. in Colorado and grateful to be on the line. Thank you, Sylvia, and everybody else for their service. And for everyone who's listening, thank you for being here. And I always thank God for the absence I have this morning. Um, and uh, so the first thing I love to say, let's take a look here. The line is, um, I regained my ability to think. And I wrote in the margins, oh, no, 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 you know, because that's where I'm in trouble immediately is I regained, right? Like I'm running the show. I'm the author of my life. I'm the author of my food. And I'm probably the author of your life. Um, so regaining my ability to think, you know, I, that's how we all grew up. That's the culture for sure that I grew up in. Um, so I better regain my ability. Um, okay. So, so I just wanted to point that out that that's for me the beginning of the end, right? And the um, strange mental, uh, what is it, blank spots 
you know, that's true for the food. That's true for my behavior. That's for my defects, right? Like when I'm gossiping, I'm picking up. That's an emotional binge. Um, and, you know, it's, I'm only going to continue to do it until it doesn't, like the pain is greater than the joy that I get from doing something like that. So I can pick up food. I can pick up behaviors. It just, um, it's all the same for me. It really truly is because I have an alcoholic mind. Um, and then for, for Fred, you know, it's a crushing blow learning all of this. He was hopelessly de- defeated. And the minute my sponsor two years ago said to me, you know, you're, you have a hopeless condition. You have a, an alcoholic mind. Um, it was not a crushing blow. It was the beginning of freedom for me, right? Because they were describing something that, they, that we name the problem and therefore we can name the solution. And I got freedom knowing that I was hopeless, that I was out of ideas. Thank God I finally was completely and utterly defeated. Thank God, because it's exhausting running the show. It's exhausting being in the food, absolutely. It's just, so it was, it was sheer freedom, you know. And from there, um, uh, she told me that I have a program, right? So somebody says that um, for, you know, you take insulin for a diabetic, right? But um, in our program, we don't just take insulin. We have a design for living. It tells me what to do when these mental blank spots come up. And it tells me to call you so that I can hear God's will, so I can know how God would have me be, right? So it's a design for living. It, it, the food goes down, the feelings come up, life comes up, and there's a design for living, you know? And, um, and then finally I could do the job myself. No, I can't. If you're on this line and you don't have a sponsor, please, I, I, I ask you, I plead with you, please get a sponsor, anybody, it doesn't matter. Um, a recovered sponsor of vision works for me. And... I can't, you know, be the author of my food, be the author of my life. I cannot do it by myself. And one last thing I want to say is when I work this program every day, right, so when I write more, I'm going to write more. If I'm going to go to meetings, I'm going to go to meetings more. If I do the steps more, I'm going to do the steps more. If I sponsor more, I'm going to sponsor more. And this stuff, you can, it, it can slide so quickly, right? Like I don't have time today to, to meditate. I don't have time to do the writing, um, you know, so I just time. really – for you. So thanks so much for the share and um, thank you all for being online. Thank you, Wendy M. Penny LC followed by Jordan L. Good morning, Sylvia, and good morning to everyone on the line. This is Penny LC, a grateful recovered compulsive overeater from the state of Washington. And I wanted to take this opportunity to relate a personal experience. Um, I found myself off guard and um, had let go of my spiritual fitness to a certain degree two years ago. Um, I know I knew my connection with my higher power had waned. Uh, there was a lot of fear and a lot of feelings that life was out of control for me um, at that time with something happening with my family. And it had me grabbing at control and turning my back on my higher power And since I had no power in my linkage to my higher power was broken, that mental blank spot, that mental obsession, that built-in forgetter took over. I reverted back to my old longstanding solution for comfort, and that was the food. It was like an out-of-body experience. There were two of me. I was walking to go get the food item. And one of me was set on that like it was a bullseye course trajectory. 
And the other one of me was watching this happen saying, no, no, you're not really going to do this. It was the, you know, out-of-body experience that made me realize if I'm not connected with my higher power, I'm in deep trouble. And, um, you know, it was only by God's grace I did pick up that food item. And I did get back into um, my compulsive overeating. But by God's grace and the truth that I had learned over the prior five years of being abstinent and free from all of that binge food, um, I was graced with abstinence again after 36 hours. And that was a miraculous gift from my higher power. But it was only because I knew I was powerless at that moment. I was willing to humble myself again and ask my higher power for strength, guidance. And I was returned to sanity. But it all just cemented home for me that I am no different than I was when I first decided to be abstinent. I need to stay spiritually fit every day working this program and staying connected to my higher power, my source of power. Thank you for letting me share and I'll pass. Thank you, Penny LC. Jordan L followed by Kathy G. I think I have Brandy M after that. Brandy, if you're on the line, I'll call you to see if you're around. Jordan L, Kathy G. Um, okay, cool. Can you hear me, Sylvia? Yes, I can. Thanks. Um, good morning, guys. My name is Jordan L. I am a compulsive overeater um, in the Rocky Mountains of Colorado. Um, <clears throat> so we left off yesterday with unbearable mental and physical suffering, right? Um, and so what that looks like for me, I, I have like this little journal that I write stuff down in when I hear something I, I like in, um, in a talk or in the book or whatever. And um, I wrote this um, uh, listening to one of the Sunday special editions talks. Um, unbearable mental and physical suffering. What that looks like for me, I'm uncontrollably gaining weight <laughs> yet again. Um, my mind races uncontrollably. Uh, just thinking of the next meal and what it's going to look like and where I'm going to get it from and where I'm going to go and how long it's going to take and um, this and that and so on and so forth and like planning every single little aspect of it. Um, And I find myself absolutely alone. Um, This disease isolates me completely and totally. Um, and I am completely out of ideas of how to help myself. Um, that's the unbearable mental and physical suffering for me. And, uh, and so moving on here, right. Um, two members of AA came to see me and asked if I were really licked this time, um, I being in that state of unbearable mental and physical suffering and someone asking me if I'm really licked this time, um, I, I say yes. 
man. Um, and, and I, the person that I talked to that asked me if I would really like this time, she actually phrased it differently. She said, uh, uh, most alcoholics have to be pretty badly mangled. Most compulsive overeaters have to be pretty badly mangled before they're willing to, you know, pick up this program and do it. Um, and she asked me if, if, if that was me, if I, if I was mangled, (laughs) you know, um, and gave me the number for vision here. And I started listening. Um, and and at the time I didn't wake up early. Um, so I was listening to recordings online and she told me to start listening from the doctor's opinion. And I did that. And it all started making sense, you know, like all these thoughts that I had been having the whole time, um, like on my own, I was hearing in you guys and I was seeing how the book directly relates to me. Um, it was really cool. I got some hope for the, for the first time in, in five years um, <clears throat> of, of uh, dealing with this disease. And that's not to say I've been dealing with this since I was a little kid. Um, but <clears throat> five years ago was the first time that I ever actually took an action to do something about it, you know? Um, time. And I guess I am out of time. So thanks for listening and letting me share. Thank you, Jordan L. Kathy G. and Brandy M., if you were one of the ones that I missed, uh, be standing by. Kathy G. Oh, thanks so much, Sylvia. And good morning, everyone. This is Kathy G. from Illinois. I am a fully conceited and grateful compulsive overeater by the grace of God today. I'm so glad to be here with all of you. Um, the line that jumped out at me literally just jumped out. I couldn't even really look at much else with yet again. I had to concede to both propositions. And the two propositions are that I thought myself alcoholic and that I was really licked this time. And I remember um, when I was reading the big book with my sponsor, um, I came into vision um, last summer, and the words fully concede from the first page of more about alcoholism just really jumped out at me, too, that it has to be a full surrender. And like the last line that we read today, that I could not do the job myself. And when I really got that and I fully conceded, and I actually, during the meeting, um, because so many people, they really uh, just gained so much by these definitions that they read, that I looked up the word concede, and it says, Admit that something is true or valid after first denying or resisting it. Surrender or yield something that one possesses. And I thought, yeah, I denied the truth. I resisted the truth. I did not want to surrender. I did not want to yield. But I finally got to the place where I could no longer hear myself say that this is it, you know, this this time I will stop eating sugar, this Monday, this whatever. You know, I just couldn't hear it anymore. I, for 27 years, I've been free from bulimia, but I, I couldn't stay stopped with the food. And I'm just going to tell you all that I just, I went through uh, one of the hardest weeks of my entire life this past week. And I have a daughter who's um, just about to turn 25 who 
has battled with depression and just some some different things in her life. And I was supposed to be leaving for Florida uh, with my husband on Thursday and ended up, um, and she was going to um, watch our 15-year-old for us. She's a teacher. She's um, just a, you know, beautiful um, person outside of her issues, probably like most of us are. But I ended up having to call 911, was in the hospital, in and out of the hospital all weekend, and I could have lost her. And through it all, because I know that I can no longer do this by myself and because I have fully conceded, I can honestly speak with you right now and tell you I never thought of using food. And the gratitude that I have this morning for that is just absolutely beyond measure because that is a complete miracle. There is absolutely no way other than working these steps and surrendering and trusting God. And I am the turtle of the group. I just transitioned into step 11, but I've been building a firm, solid foundation and I'll be sponsoring soon. And I'm just grateful for all of you today. So thank you so much for listening and sharing. I pass. Thank you, Kathy G. Brandy M., are you on the line? Brandy M., if you're there, star one. Okay. I'm going to take another list of uh, readers. We probably have time for about uh, three more, maybe. Courtney B. Okay, so I got Courtney, but I'm the person before you. Susan B. And Robin T. Uh, okay, uh, I have I have Courtney B, Robin T, Susan B, Sarit L, and I think I missed the first person. Did I miss someone there? <coughs> Apparently not. Courtney B, go ahead and start. And if I have your initials wrong, just correct me. Courtney B, Robin T, Susan B, Sarit L, and um, I'm not sure we'll get to everybody, but let's give it a go. Courtney, go ahead. Courtney B, Recovered Compulsive Reader, Northern California. Can you hear me? Yes. Oh, good. So this, I can remember being absent for a while. And I was like amazed. But I've been dealing with a very, very horrible, painful family situation that just, I am powerless over my 97-year-old mom with dementia dying. It's exhausting and outraged. And one morning I woke up and the thought went through my head, I'm getting donuts. I am getting donuts. Did I put up a fight a little bit? I heard myself say, oh, really? I'm like, I need a break. I go down to the donut place. I ask for a certain whatever, and they were out. And I said, how can you be out? It's not even noon. And I swear right in that moment, it was like everything I had, I was like on a stage, you know, how like, on Broadway, it goes dark. One person is standing there and this light comes down. And it was like I had this golden light that enveloped, enveloped me. I could hear the noises, people talking, but there was this deep, deep quietness in my soul. And I heard myself say, I don't want to do this. Let's get out of here. And I left. Oh, did God do that? Well, yeah, yeah, I'm going to say yeah. But what I learned from that was I had not been doing my written 10th step every night. I had been letting this this frustration and anger and fears build up, build up, build up. 
And the tenth step is emotional sobriety. Let's not let these emotional hangovers go day after day after day. So I started doing a tenth step every night, and in the morning I would write out all of my fears. What if she dies and I'm not there? What if I'm there and she dies? What if, what if, what if? The tenth step, I still have it, and I still need to do it because it's still happening. And your caregiver now got cancer. You know, it's just like, oh, God. And but just staying in the grace of today, today, as I do a tenth step, that sort of, that keeps my abstinence, my intentions clear with the God who loves me and just stay in the moment. Thanks. I pass. Thank you, Courtney B. Robin T. followed by Susan B. Robin T. Star one. Hi, this is Robin P. Like uh, Peter. Um, okay. And hi, thank you, Sylvia. I was I was muted by mistake. I don't know how that happened. Um, so thank you. I'm Robin. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Los Angeles. And oh my gosh, thank you so much for your service and for this meeting. I just really needed it. Um, I I had an experience yesterday. Um, I'm absent in a couple of years and. I, I went to church um, yesterday, last night, and um, I spoke with the Monsignor there, and I said, you know, the thing that happens to me is fear. Do you ever have fear? And he he looked at me. It was such a powerful moment. He just said, I have God, and God loves me, and I don't need to have fear. And he said it not in a way like he was saying it for me. He was just saying it like he knew it as the truth for him. And um, it just, it, it's really stayed with me. Like, you know, it's really having faith that works, you know, and faith without works is dead and, and works without faith is just as dead in my opinion, you know, and, um, and, and it was such a powerful thing for me to see that it's really about reliance on God because when I don't fully rely on God, I want to fully like tune out or numb out or just with with food or whatever obsession it is, you know? And so that's why it's imperative for me to really keep growing spiritually, you know? And it's I just know that it's my, it's not just like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. It's literally imperative for me that I grow spiritually and continue to rely wholeheartedly on God so that I can recover. Um, you know, I'm an inventor, and I launched my newest product, and I have ra- I'm raising more capital. And, boy, those are things that terrify me, honestly, without God, every bit of what I just said. And, um, you know, and yet I'm, I believe in using my gifts for good and, and, and stepping up and showing up fully. And the only way to do that is to fully rely on God. And I see that more and more, and that, that what happens in my life happens because I'm supposed to grow spiritually to meet those occurrences, that those are there for my benefit so that I grow into whatever it is that I'm supposed to do. Um, And so thanks so much for letting me share. God bless everybody. And uh, thank you for this meeting. Thanks, Sylvia. Thank you, Robin P. We have Susan B. and Sarit L. I don't think we'll have time for you, Sarit, but we'll see. Susan B.? 
Star One, Susan. Susan, Star One. Hi, this is Susan B. from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, recovering compulsive overeater. Okay. Um, I wanted to share on that I saw that willpower and self-knowledge would not help in those strange mental blank spots. It amazes me that I had been in food rehabs and residential programs three times in my 20s, and most recently six months in 2016, and still thought that self-knowledge would fix this. I sat through education classes, talking about addiction, explaining addiction, how our brains are wired differently, and still did not get it. I still thought that I had the knowledge because I had gone to these rehabs and I had learned all these things that I was going to be fine. Um, I have some notes alongside um, the paragraph here. Insanity is a state of mind that prevents normal perception. I cannot trust my own thoughts. Also with me, the disease moves slowly to pull me back in. As mentioned, um, like I'll be having a salad. Oh, well, you can have a few croutons on your salad. Or, oh, you're just eating some extra vegetables. You won't gain weight. All the lies that my disease tells me. And I have to be in constant fellowship with um, all of you to be reminded of this disease. And also, I have to ask my higher power every day for help. And I just want to share recently what was happening is I was in denial about relapse. I was doing night eating of alcoholic foods. And it was only one thing. And my disease was telling me, oh, well, it's only one thing. It's only vegetables. You're not gaining any weight. Nobody will know about it. Um, you know, lying to myself, minimizing it with my sponsor. And by God's grace, I reached out to other people. I took some action. I went to more meetings. And I prayed. And it was lifted. And miraculously, it's been almost 10 days. I don't wake up with urges. I don't wake up with, you know, compulsion, go into the refrigerator. And it's truly a miracle. And I just give all the glory to God um, because I know that God is the only thing. God is the only one. He's the only one that can relieve me of um, this um, obsession and this mental illness. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. And that's all the time we have. I'm sorry, Sarit. Hope to hear from you tomorrow. Thank you to everyone who shared, and thank you to Team Wednesday. And stick around uh, uh, for the rest. We'll turn off the recording, and then we'll greet newcomers and sponsors and announcements. But for now, we will close with the reading from the Big Book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. And will Penny L.C. please read a vision for you? Our book is meant to be suggestive only on page 154. Thank you for your service, Sylvia. This is Penny L.C. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. 
Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. 